Well, hey, everybody, it's Kevin Stevenson. You're on I Don't Care with, yeah, me, Kevin Stevenson. Uh, lots of good content recently. I don't think we've had anybody like this next guest. It's Ryan Copland. And Ryan, you know, tell us just a little bit about what you guys do over there at Health Wallet. Yeah, uh, appreciate you having us on. Um, yeah. So at Health Wallet, we are uh, helping health plans to consolidate uh, you know, what would otherwise be mutually exclusive member facing endpoints into a consolidated mobile app that they can use to more proactively engage plan members into utilizing a lot of the services that are available to them as a byproduct of their benefit plans. Okay. Sounds good. Now, you know, I understood all that, but can you maybe, yeah, so speaking a little bit more layman's terms for some of my folks who may not be healthcare people, How's it going to help somebody who is, uh, you know, trying to navigate their their uh, healthcare? Yeah. So, uh, intentionally simple mobile app uh, that was built to to proactively help people to understand when and how to utilize the benefits that are available to them. <clears throat> one mobile app, all, everything that they could possibly need related to their health plan, all in one spot, inclusive of even the, you know, the virtual healthcare services. So. Uh, telehealth and on-demand doctors and some of the new v virtual tools are, like I said, all in one mobile app that uh, is intentionally easy to utilize and understand by the average healthcare consumer. Okay. I, I think they might get it now that, that you explained it that way. You know, and, and I like the idea that you're trying to put everything into one app because, you know, so those of us who you know, we're trying to juggle everything from, you know, our health plan app to maybe a, maybe a, a drug app, a, a PBM app, you know, your portal for your physician and all that, you know, having everything in one app would be incredible. So, so tell us a little bit about, you know, what, what about that commercial gravitation towards, you know, really, you know, people are starting to look at virtual first for their healthcare. You know, it's a lot more convenient. You know, particularly on a day like today in, in Texas, you know, we've got some pretty bad weather in. You know, I don't want to get out and get dressed. I want to, you know, I want to, uh, to talk to my healthcare providers. So, you know, what are health plans doing to really embrace all of that? Yeah. Um, so the, the concept of, of telehealth isn't particularly new, but it's come to fruition, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, a lot of which was a byproduct of COVID and the availability mm -hmm. of, of healthcare services in the midst of the crisis. But, um, you know, a lot of that created an environment where health plans realized that, you know, there are some lower complexity, higher volume instances of care that, that can be delivered, um, you know, either completely virtually or at least using, you know, virtual first leveraging the fifth, you know, permanently affixed appendage that we all carry around. Yeah. Uh, so permanently to help people, you know, enter the healthcare system in, a, in maybe a more efficient way uh, and and leverage the scalability that, you know, a virtual care delivery model, uh, you know, really has. And, and like I mentioned before, you know, I don't think it would have come as fast as it did if we didn't have a pandemic, you know, that created an environment like what we just, you know, all went through and are still going through. Um, and the commercial adoption of that has come, you know, on the heels of, of having no other option, seeing that it, you know, it really does work and that it really can be, you know, reasonably adopted 
at scale. And so you're seeing now a lot of, a lot of health plans that are integrating those virtual tools um, as a, you know, instead of a warm and fuzzy bell and whistle, like it used to be into more of an, uh, an integrated component of the health plan yeah. and incentivizing people to use it. Oh, absolutely. You know, and you're, you're so right. I mean, I, I first started dealing with telehealth when I was in Nebraska about 22 years ago. Right. Yeah. And it was more of a necessity because, you know, you couldn't put a specialist in every small town in Nebraska. But, you know, if that that local hospital or clinic did have access to, to telemedicine, you know, through our hospital in outstate Nebraska, it was pretty easy. Right. But, you know, now it everybody who's figured out, like you said, you know, one of the, one of the positive things about the pandemic was, you know, people really started looking for solutions to, to help them, you know, conveniently access healthcare. Right. And, and my gosh, this is, uh, you know, it, it's really, it's created a bit of a monster, but, but I think it's a monster. We've, you know, those of us in the industry, we're, we're excited about because, you know, you know, one of the big things that we deal with, you know, in our physician group is just access. Yeah, right. and and we, you know, our our providers only have so many appointments per day, and so right. if we can maybe spread them out, you know, uh, virtually, uh, and and utilize different, you know, provider skill sets, you know, utilize the APPs exactly. and, and you know, and, and and nurses, you know, and and in the appropriate care setting, you know, it, it can do nothing but uh, but benefit patients and, and patient quality of care. Agreed. Yeah. So so how did you? How did you come to this? You know, I always like to ask people what got them into, you know, into, into their, uh, their current thing. So Ryan, yeah, so, what brought Ryan to, to Health Wallet and, and the whole concept? Yeah. So uh, background in employee benefits consulting and, and healthcare architecture or health plan architecture, rather. We were, we were building and managing self-funded health plans and uh, managing, you know, essentially purchasing consortiums to to bring those things down market. Um, and at the time I was running strategy for the firm. So deconstructing the pull it off the shelf, traditional health plan, as we all know it for employer groups and rebuilding it with, you know, all the healthcare buzzwords, independent TPA, fiduciary, PBM, value-based cares, whatever. And, um, ultimately we realized the, the more progressive that we got with our plan design, ecostructure strategy, you know, ecosystem infrastructure strategy, whatever, the more confused our plan members got. And they wake up every day at, you know, relatively confused out of the gate. And uh, so I saw that opportunity uh, to partner with my co-founder now, who owned an app development firm at the time, mm -hmm. and in collaboration with the health plan that we managed, spend about a year, build, ask, build, ultimately, you know, doing what we're doing now, which is taking all of these otherwise disparate member facing endpoints that they ultimately underutilize and probably don't even know exist and consolidate them into an environment that that makes it number one easy for them to use and number two drives utilization at the plan level and so anyway fast forward a couple of years later we realized we had a commercially viable solution that there was you know we were effectively solving the problem at least compared to where we started and where we were and and so we decided to take that outside of our practice and and uh, now we work with upwards of 30 uh, health plan administrators and payers and, and do this, you know, at a, at a much more commercial level. And so now we, we focus exclusively on, uh, on running engagement and uh, mobile first for progressive health plans. Okay. 
Yeah, in, in a past life, I ran a, a physician network and, and we had a number of managed care contracts. And, and what really intrigued me that you said is, you know, how the health plans are now incentivizing people to use, uh, you know, apps like Health Wallet. Yeah. So what are they doing? How, how are they encouraging people to, to to do that? Because I know that was a real issue for, for my network physicians trying to get particularly the managed Medicare population in for those those preventative visits and all of that. So so number one, how how do how are the plans incentivizing? And number two, you know, what how is that how is that helping out the 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 health plan physicians uh, in in providing better better care for their patients? Yeah. So you know, coming from the what we'll call the employee benefits commercial health plan side of the world. Um, well, what we ultimately realized was uh, that the health plan members, when they're making healthcare consumerism decisions, which a lot of times are rearview mirror, uh, they're not doing it or, or making alternative decisions as a you know because it's beneficial to their employer, carrier, or plan sponsor. What ultimately moves the needle is the metaphorical carrot is making it you know, financially more beneficial for them to do something different as well and structuring plan designs to incentivize people to do things that are, you know, either completely free or with a reduced member responsibility and, and, you know, subsequently structuring them. So those care paths are better for the payer and the providers and, you know, whoever is ultimately, you know, trying to, to align. We, we joke around all the time, when it comes to, you know, some of the strategists that we work with, it's hard to herd cats, but you can move their food. And so, you know, um, building, building health plans that have some, you know, reasonable level of financial incentive to enter the healthcare system differently or to seek care in a certain way, uh, is, is really what we see, uh, benefiting everybody collectively the most. And then, you know, our job is ultimately to, to take that, strategy and water it down into a mobile app with unmistakably easy to understand big buttons that, mm -hmm. you know, say free healthcare on the front of it and help them to, you know, access care in a more cost effective and convenient way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you talked about, you know, all the, all the, the lottery list of benefits that, that people are afforded through their health plan that, yeah, honestly, probably 80 to 85% of those are never even utilized. That's right. And, and so, so how is it, you know, uh, when they're using your app, you know, how, how are you pushing those various benefits out that obviously are beneficial to the patient, but frankly are very beneficial to the health plan if the patient utilizes that? That's right. So our platform is predicated on two concepts, consolidated access, which is obvious. And mm -hmm. so everything in one spot, which is inclusive of deep levels of integration. So the virtual care models are, are truly integrated in the platform, but where the rubber meets the road is our engagement strategies. And, and that's ultimately three things. I think that the familiarity of going back to the mobile app that you're accustomed to for your digital ID card and you're this and where's my deductible and all that naturally breeds uh, utilization of adjacent services that are also in that mobile app. But uh, where the rubber meets the road is, is our engagement programs, which are effectively three things. We do digital outreach on behalf of health plans, and that's text, email, or both. And it's yeah. 
we we generally use the availability of a digital ID card immediately as sort of the bait, you know, to for people to authenticate for the first time because then we can engage them the way that we intend to, um, which is generally two things. It's it's proactive, so uh, we have some geofencing technology. Essentially, what that is is somebody walks into a uh, an urgent care with their mobile phone, health wallet reminds them telehealth is free, or they walk into a pharmacy. It may remind them they have, you know, free mail order or, you know, ultimately whatever the content is, is a little bit specific to the health plan structure. Um, but we're, you know, we're doing that real time engagement and, and positioning it under the guise of beneficial to the plan member. And, you know, you do that enough times, you, they start to actually use it. Uh, and, you know, it's following the same common theme, which is mobile app, big, unmistakably easy to understand buttons and, uh, you know, reminding them of, of when and how to use them. Yeah, you know, this is, uh, it's, it's a bit foreign uh, for, for most people, you know, for their, their benefits plan actually being a service provider. I mean, everybody's kind of been used to, yeah, you know, yeah, I've got these benefits over there and, and I'll use them if I want to, but I, I really like the 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 availability and the and the push that you guys are doing to to encourage people to utilize those benefits. So so you know yeah I'm I'm looking at your website and and it's it's really it's it's a great website because you lay out all your customers. I mean you've got you know your employers, your brokers, your TPAs and your individuals. So so say, you know, I mean are, are you working this all the way through the health plans? Or are you going direct to an employer on some? You know, talk to me a little bit about your about your structure on that. So we predominantly work with really ultimately we'll call three populations: health plans, which is inclusive of health plan administrators, first and third party. Uh, mm -hmm. That's probably our our most common uh, what we'll call channel partner. We work with employee benefit brokers and consultants. Um, you know, a lot of times we're sort of an arrow in the quill that they bring the glue to wrap it all up. Uh, and then we, we do work some direct with employer groups, but just, you know, being a, a previous insurance consultant myself, I ultimately realized that you run into them one way or another. And so uh, we, we tend to work more collaboratively either with the broker consultant or, you know, as a, as a part of the health plan embedded in the in the administrative process. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, Ryan, obviously, you know, you're you're a, you're an innovative kind of guy. So, you know, looking at your product now, it's it's really great. Where do you see where do you see this going next? Yeah. So, what what was fortunate about kind of the way that we structured everything originally is we're an intentionally flexible and modular platform. So, as it sits today, we have upwards of eighty what we'll call uh, mutually exclusive member facing endpoint solutions that we toggle between and cluster together, you know, as a function of relevance. And so what that translates to in terms of where we're going is we get to work collaboratively with our health plan clients and our health plan administrators to aggregate, you know, a perpetually relevant suite of solutions. So, you know, as you know, probably better than anybody, every year there's a million new digital health solutions. Some yeah. of them are good, some of them, you know, maybe not, whatever, but uh, mm -hmm. there's so many you'll never even get a chance to look at them all. So we work in what we call a hybrid solution model, which is 
we're curating solutions, but we're also working collaboratively with our health plans. They say, hey, we love this wellness vendor or we just implemented this MSK solution or something. And, you know, we integrate that into our experience and fortunately are able to parlay that elsewhere in, in other distribution environments. And so um, I think that we'll be uh, white labeling more of our solution. We've really started to get into uh, a little bit of an upmarket payer environment where you know, we're letting we're, we're letting them totally de-identify our solution and pretend like it's theirs. And mm -hmm. and so we've gone up market a bit there. But, you know, I see uh, Health Wallet, you know, gravitating more into uh, an engagement platform. And so what we're really starting to do is is build out the back end of our system to let it be something that even health plan administrators can self-administer. If they want to set up customized engagement okay. programs, if they want to you know, do a push notification, do a sub demographic profile of the population, whatever, we're going to build out the instrument. So it's a little bit more self-service, even at an administrative level um, and and see how that goes. OK, you know, I, I, I'm just curious about the 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 data in the background. I mean, are you what what kind of research are you providing for your customers? as far as you know their their end user engagement because you know i know for me yeah i'd be thinking about if i was a health plan you know with with a, a managed medicare product or maybe a managed medicaid product and a traditional commercial you know what's the difference in engagement and what types of benefits are really you know that are really shown to be beneficial to each population so i can so i can really adjust my my portfolio well, you know, are you guys into that deep into it, I hope? Definitely. So uh, we're in the business of qualifying and quantifying engagement. And then that's, mm -hmm. you know, a handful of things. That's initial activation. That's, you know, utilization of certain features. That's inclusive of even, you know, population level HL7 soap note data back mm -hmm. feeding into, you know, health healthcare data analytics engines and things of that nature. What we ultimately do is use, you know, maybe a, a last year's baseline of telehealth utilization as a perfect, we'll call it, you know, unit of measurement and yeah. perpetually engaging members and taking real time data as to, you know, what the uptake really is and, you know, being able to quantify the impact of that to plans. But what we've also started to realize, and this was just sort of, you know, out of out of just enough at bats is. If you look at a health plans member facing services unit and you look at a, you know, a collective total of all just member touches, so much of it is is high volume, low complexity. What's my deductible? Where's my ID yep. card? Is my doctor in network? Whatever. Right. And so what we've started to do is really start to quantify how much of that we can inherently shift towards a self-service environment and you know increase the capacity for folks to work on the stuff that really needs escalation and so we kind of have reverse engineered you know self-service libraries and things as a byproduct of just okay. you know why does the phone ring uh, you know as often as it does and can we you know reduce the service burden for for member facing services units which as you probably know that member facing help world and proactive care navigation are really starting to converge mm -hmm. on on each other and so we're helping some of these care navigation units focus on the the heavy stuff and not so much the 
where's my ID card? Is this doctor in network? Yeah. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. Hey, uh, you, you mentioned a, a initial engagement by, by the, uh, plan members, any of the plans, um, yeah, using, uh, uh, any kind of punitive measures if, if members aren't engaging or are they still trying to be as positive as, as possible? Yeah, um, it's not as aggressive as punitive per se, but what, what mm-hmm. we we have done in some situations is um, you'd be surprised how many people don't care for a physical ID card. And so we have some boutique health plans and some what we'll call just like, you know, micro payers more or less that have gone to a digital only unless it's specifically requested otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I mentioned before, we kind of use that availability of a digital ID card as the first, like, you know, get it now, come in and authenticate. And we've, we've created processes to really automate that and hold their hand. But, um, you know, we've seen the, if you want to use your benefit, you got to engage because that's where your, you know, that's where your verification and your ID card lives. Um, and so that, you know, that naturally drives higher levels of, of, uh, you know, engagement than it would if we were, you know, exclusively doing post enrollment benefits aggregation. Okay. Interesting. Um, you know, we got a couple of minutes left, Ryan. What, uh, you know, give, give my, uh, give my, uh, my audience a little bit of a heads up on, on where you think this will continue to go. Where will this, where will this be, you know, five or 10 years down the road? So I think benefits navigation as a service is a mm-hmm. uh, is a unexplored world that's really really coming up. And what's you know really interesting is you'll see the organizations that are mature in that world that are you know in some interesting corporate types of transactions maybe merging with virtual healthcare networks. Mm-hmm. So not only are they doing the navigation, but they control the first knock and the you know, and really the health plan stewardship because they staff the docs, you know, that's that's uh, doctors on demand recently, you know, did something like that. And and you're seeing a lot of the the virtual care models being integrated in a deeper way with, you know, Teladoc Livongo. You see the commercial adoption of this is is evident when you see Cigna buys MD Live. And so I think that uh writings on the wall you know virtual healthcare solutions uh at least the good ones are going to be commercially adopted at a at a you know large payer level also in the health system world uh hoping that you know we can tie the experience in the front door but we start to get you know what everybody really wants on the back end which is the true interoperability between payers and emr systems and and so on and so forth. So that, yeah, as you obviously know, there's a lot of politics in that, in that side of the world and uh, some people that probably don't want that to happen. But uh, I feel like, you know, just like everything else, uh, consumerism is going mobile. And so, you know, I can use the term consumerism loosely, but, uh, you know, nowadays you can do anything from your mobile phone and, in you know, and that's inclusive of use your health insurance. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Boy, if you can solve the, uh, the the issue that everybody has with EMRs talking <laughs> to each other, boy, you, you would be a billionaire. Yeah. I'd I'm love for that to happen I'm soon. Sure that's my fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I'm not too old to have that fight. Well, hey, yeah. Ryan, any final words for, my, for the audience? 
No, I just uh, I appreciate you having me on and, uh, you know, enjoyed the opportunity to to kick the tires with you and yeah. hope that, uh, you know, anybody that's interested, give us a holler. And we'll yeah, how on. can they do that? Uh, easiest way would just be an inquiry through our website, thehealthwallet.com. Um, we got a, a section where you can schedule demo and we'd love to give anybody interested the nickel tour. That sounds great. Yeah, I'm looking right at it. So uh, very good. Well, Ryan, thanks for, for being with me today uh, on I Don't Care. And audience, uh, you know, thanks again for you being with us today. Uh, you know how to find us. Uh, we're on Market Scale Radio. Uh, typically drop on Fridays. Uh, and uh, you can find us on Spotify and iTunes. So I'll end today like I always do. If you haven't subscribed to I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson by now, why not? With that, we'll talk to you next week. Take care.